welcome to Service Headline News. I'm your host, Marty Smith, and I'm joined by Eric Perrot. Hey, fellas. How's it going? And Jake Wall. What's going on, guys? We're here to bring you the latest headlines and updates pertinent to all servicemen and women. So sit back, get informed, and have a laugh as the Swearing In Podcast presents Service Headline News. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And there was much rejoicing. There will be rejoicing when Eric gives us his field report. Oh, I'm excited about that. <sighs> Should we save that or you want to hear it now? No, I want to hear it now. All right. So more to the chafing pictures. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> Deployed to the wonderful, hard, hard environment of Maui, Hawaii. Hard. <laughs> hard. I took the body armor to the four corners of the most intense environments that Maui could offer. What kind of body armor was it, Dr. Eric? I I did modify it to fit a male. However, it was. Don't play it off. It was the, the military's attempt to support the women by providing a, a body armor or men or men. We don't want to discriminate. That's true. The tactical bro. The the tactical (laughs) bra. Some men can wear it. Others struggle. Um, I, on the other hand, can wear it. (laughs) Nice. It looks good. Um, However, in the extreme heat of the day, it it caused major perspiration. You're still nipple sweat. A high level of stench. To oh, you that, you <laughs> that under moob sweat will add up. <laughs> the man boob under sweat. Yeah, because you, you get that dark line right under your nipple. You know. I don't know who this you is. <laughs> don't, don't bring me into this. And then then, you know, as you as you go to the other environments, specifically the rainy side of the island. Um once the the apparatus, I'm going to refer to it as the apparatus. Once the apparatus gets wet, <laughs> it does create a level of chafing uh, oh. from, your, from your underarm. Jake and, called that last week. And in between, and in between your 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 breast, mid breast. What <laughs> what would I call that? Between your chest, you know, and yeah. the, the weight. Chest. The chest taint. The weight increases drastically by two and a half pounds. Whoa. It's yeah. a lot of absorption. <laughs> you need to get sweat. on the uh, quick dry. All right. That's so right. That's right. I do find it very familiar. I had I had a local throw a couple rocks at me. <laughs> it, it, it did deter from injuring me. It 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 nice. oh. Good. Yeah. Right. So there was no no uh, uh, penetration in that particular region of my body. So the device did work. Thank you for clarifying that it was regionally specific. Right. right? <laughs> penetration. <laughs> so it it did stop the penetrations, which was nice. Between sand, wind blown, or thrown, um, it it works very well. Okay. All right. So. Couple drawbacks: uh, sweaty stench, weight, yeah. 
Um, but overall, for mission completeness, I, I believe the device can, I would recommend to the military that they implement for all women. It also provided a great, great cushion to my lawn chair. Nice. You know, when I was. Let, let's get down to the, to the real question. How hot did you look to the opposite sex? Well, on a, on a one to five stars, what do you think Mrs. Eric would give you? Oh, sure, an eight. Oh, okay. nice. dude, I had my red, white, and blue Speedo on. Yes. <laughs> Very yes, European. Very American. It was red, white, American and blue European. stripes across my ass. <laughs> and with, with the, the bra on top, I was a sexy dude. Yeah, nice. Good. Great. All right. Nice. Yeah. So it, it brought you some confidence. Absolutely. And and a couple of whistles from locals. Oh, good. Nice. Yeah. You didn't did you uh experience the old deployment number bump? <laughs> so that eight <laughs> reading, that was, was that, that a de- was that a deployed eight? Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> it's a deployed eight for sure. <laughs> Street side five point three. Oh, if that. Oh, my God. Well, thank you for that uh, in-depth research and analysis. Obviously, more testing is needed. (laughs) Right. Next time, photographs uh, to give you some photography evidence, photographic evidence. I like it. It's um, proof. I'm sure DARPA is looking forward to your report. Now, I know something more important. How about uh, this date in history, Eric? What do you got? All right, guys. Well, you know, we routinely talk in the past about military history, uh, military movies, military uh, TV series. Well, going back to the 1980s, there was nothing better than a TV series known as MASH. And on this day in history, February 20th, 1983, MASH had its finale, which drew an audience of over 100 million viewers. I mean, I understand there was still only three stations plus PBS at that time. Yeah. But still, 100 million people. It was huge. And it held the record for the most watched television program in American history for 27 years. Really? Yeah, until the Super Bowl in February of 2010. That sitcom. Wow. So it was 100 million Americans tuned in to the last episode, which was goodbye, farewell, and amen. And it was to the doctors, nurses, and staff of the fictional 4077th Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. And that was a great show, guys. If you you ever remember watching some of those episodes, um, you know. You know what I liked about MASH is that it was, uh, most of the episodes were funny, but every once in a while, they throw like a real, real, real heavy, serious one in there. Oh, routinely. And then you're just like, oh, good. Yeah. I remember when the, the first colonel was killed in the helicopter crash. Oh, yeah. That was a that was a tearjerker. Colonel Potter. Yeah. 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 When they found out when he when he radar walked into the emergency room or the operating room and told him that his uh his plane got hit and spun in and there was no survivors. Oh, see, that was that was a tearjerker. Yeah, that was. That was actually. That was actually pretty good. They could never do it today, especially with Klinger. 
<laughs> right. Klinger who constantly wore the dress because he wanted yeah. to get out on a uh, Section 8 crazy person. No. <laughs> so. They don't make television series like that anymore, period. They just don't. No, that was that was pretty damn good. And even uh, I think the I think the the finale was like two hours. I think right. I think so. Because I remember where Hawkeye was. Uh, he was like in a psychiatric thing, and they were telling. And he was telling the story about he was on a bus load of people, and the the one one of the ladies they they picked up a bunch of refugees, and then there was an enemy patrol going by, so they had to be quiet. And the lady mm-hmm. had a chicken. <laughs> and he told her silence that goddamn chicken and so she broke the chicken's neck and then later in the episode as he's going through therapy he remembers that it wasn't a chicken it was her own baby oh. and i was like oh, oh. my god yeah, <laughs> right uh it was brilliant writing it was really fantastic writing yeah you know who the writer was do you guys no. know who the writer was no. it's someone you should know um it was he was this was one of his first shows that he came out with. Let me find this guy's name again. Well, here's he, a little bonus. I was four when it quit playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, in 83, uh, I think, oh, I was 16. So, but it was it, it was an event. Like, it was unbelievable how that dominated uh, everything and everybody watched it you know it was we we talk about like the say the game of thrones finale or something like yeah. that you know everybody was waiting for that thing to come out yeah. this was the same thing and it's uh absolutely amazing i mean at the time this talks about uh people who bought ads were paying and this was 1983 they spent up to four hundred fifty thousand dollars in 1983 money yeah right? You know, that's Super Bowl ads now, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing the amount of people. It, it was a good show. Uh, you know, the the criticism of it is that it lasted like four times longer than the actual Korean War. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. So, Eric, it's uh, the, the co-creator and writer was Larry Gilbert. Is that's that him. Yeah, that was him. Anyway, uh, finale of MASH 40 years ago. Uh, Let's see. First story, tech news uh, from Sandbox.us. U.S. Air Force AI pilot flies real F-16 in simulated dogfights. That is, it's the most misleading thing, right? So I try to make sense of it. Uh, But in December... They just released uh, a two over a two-week span. A heavily modified F-16D Fighting Falcon took to the skies a dozen times with an empty cockpit and an artificial <laughs> intelligence pilot at the stick. So basically, it was running uh, all autonomous. It was all AI that they had programmed into this thing. It took off. It did maneuvers. Uh, it landed uh, all with just an empty cockpit, right? It's the picture of it flying with nobody in there is really weird looking. Uh, the AI, uh, it came from two different efforts. So there's two different AIs. There's DARPA, uh, and then there's the Air Force Research Lab. They both have 
this AI that they're putting into this fighter and testing it back and forth. And it's doing all the maneuvers that it programs into it. It's taking off. Uh, it did like uh, these air combat maneuvers that they programmed into it, and it performed awesome. So all they've done with it so far is they've taken the F-16 up, uh, done the maneuvers, and then they land it all with AI. So there's no pilot. There's nobody on the ground controlling it. It's flying all on its own. Doesn't it sound like we're talking about the movie Stealth? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? It does. It does. Uh, so we're just waiting for this thing to go rogue. Um, <laughs> but one of the questions I had is, I, or they had in the article, is like, why not just uh, do the same with the Predators or Reapers and teach them how to dogfight, right? Yeah. Uh, prayers and reapers. What's that? What'd you say, Jake? Totally different airframe. It it is abilities. Yeah, it is, and you're right. Totally different because they have, uh, you know, I think locally they they have it take off and land, but then once it's up, they transfer control over to a pilot and a sensor guy out of Whiteman in Missouri. Right. And those guys fly the shifts yeah. for eight hours, 10 hours, however long it's up. But then when it's time to recover it, I think control goes back to the local guys and they land it. So a big remote control plane. Yeah. Um, they talked to a pilot uh, and the, he said the bigger problem with the Predators and Reapers is lag time. So it takes, he said, it takes approximately 1.2 seconds for the Reaper signal to reach the pilot. And based on what he sees, the pilot makes a decision and inputs a response, followed by another 1.2 seconds of transmit time as the command is relayed back. As a result, it's not unusual for there to be three or more seconds lag between the threat presenting itself to the Reaper sensors and the aircraft actually responding to it. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so is there going to have to be something on the ground that mobilizes with this aircraft if it was to go to, a, say, a different country? Or could uh, it be uh, which which aircraft are you talking about? The the F sixteen that they're working on? Yeah. Uh I don't know. I don't know. Because there's nobody on the ground that controls it. Right. I didn't know if it was going to be controlled like the same way the Predator or the Reaper is. And that's no, it's not going to be. Okay. It's going to be all programmed. And then it will make adjustments based on the artificial intelligence that it has. Interesting. I know. It's really it's really weird. Um, on Monday, the Defense Department revealed a series of 12 advanced fight fighter maneuver or dogfighting test flights conducted between December 1st and 16th. And, th- and they did it. They call it the X-62 Alpha Vista, which is a heavily modified Block 30 F-16D Fighting Falcon that has been that had been converted by Lockheed Lockheed Martin's Skunk Works. Is that a coolest name for research guys? Skunk Works, right? So, I is there a picture of what this AI looks like, or is it like a device that plugs into a something I, in the cockpit? I, I think it plugs in, or uh, you know, for our simplistic yeah, explanation, I would assume it, it's a pro, it's programmed in. It is. But they were talking yeah. about switching AIs, and they can do it within a matter of minutes. So yeah. uh, it's it sounds like, I, I guess, to the layman, uh, 
maybe it's just a box that they plug in. They're like, okay, this is DARPA's AI. They unplug it. They plug the next one in. They're like, this is Air yeah, Force Research Lab's AI. But apparently they can do it very quickly. So uh, the researchers also did a series of virtual tests. So this is all in a simulator using the two different AIs. Over the course of about two weeks, the AI flew against a variety of simulated opponents in a series of one-on-one engagements held both within and beyond visual range. And I think it won pretty much all of them. Right. But some of the conclusions they're coming out with the testers and they're saying, hey, the AI wins almost every time when we put it in the scenario where it kind of knows where the enemy is. Yeah. Uh I was about to say, aren't you programming the bad guy as well? Yes. Yes. And so there's a there's a whole uh, explanation. It gets really, really techy in this article. But it's talking about, you know, as they're flying towards each other. The nose angle, you know, the AI is able to correct the nose angle better than a human pilot can, which means mm. that it puts its its main gun better on the target than a human guy can, because hmm. it's it's more precise. It can make the it can make those more corrections. However, what they also found out was when they put it in scenarios where it didn't know where the enemy was, and maybe the enemy came up from underneath it or from an angle it wasn't expecting. It couldn't, it it wasn't uh as highly performing as it was in the other scenarios. And so, that is always going to be the factor where a pilot can't be determined. Uh he, he'll do something that he's not supposed to, or he'll do something that's not expected. Yeah. That's right. the unexpected piece of it. I and 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 my the the two things I thought of was Yes, that's that's one of them, right? Where they're coming out of the sun, or they're coming up uh, underneath them, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it's not it's going to have it's going to have to figure out how to adapt to that. But then, on the other hand, um, it'll probably be able to do much higher G maneuvers than a guy than a pilot could take. Oh yeah. Well, I, I don't wonder what the level. If I call like back Maverick and put him up against Maverick. I think he loses every time. Don't put anybody up against Maverick. Come on, Eric. <laughs> okay. I wonder what the G's are that a human can hold versus the airframe before it breaks. Oh yeah, yeah. What's the yeah? What's the envelope, right? Yeah. I don't know, but obviously this thing could push it uh, to the to the oh, envelope. Yeah. And they also said one of the decision things that uh, one of the reasons that the AI led to more victories was it it would calculate a fight and if it was at 51 percent chance that it would win it would engage where a a regular pilot would be like those aren't great odds i'm taking off right but the ai was like nope we're going (laughs) Hmm. one of the things that they're i think what they're trying to lead into with all of this is I think one of the concepts they have is one manned aircraft and then like two or three or four wing, uh, AI-controlled wingmen. So hmm. they fly in, you know, a, cool. a ship of four or whatever it is, and three of those are uh, drones or AI-controlled. Yeah. 
So just one more thing for that guy to have to worry about, I guess, that pilot. Well, that, that would be amazing. They're used like resources almost at a certain point, like missiles. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, if you're a number three engage, yeah, go, go, uh, go tank for a while, draw his attention, you know, while, and we're going to sacrifice you. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Hey, Jake, just FYI, five to 10 seconds at four to five G's vertically typically leads to tunnel vision and then loss of conscious for humans. Oh, okay. And what was the G again? What was the, how high? Fighter jets can pull up to nine G's vertically, and when they have their G suits on, where it pushes the blood away from their legs and towards yeah. the brain, yeah, most can tolerate a eight to nine G, but not for long periods of time. It uh, literally seconds. Sure. Um, See, but, Maverick, Maverick went to ten. <laughs> oh yeah, easy. Well, that's what I said. You got to put him up against this AI. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're if you're wondering. Because I was wondering, do we do we really need planes to dogfight anymore? You know, yeah. I mean, that's pretty close. You know, even with with some you know standoff missiles, that's still pretty pretty. Se- it, it it seems like there's no need for it anymore. Yeah, you're going to fire from three to four miles <laughs> out, right? Yeah. According to an article by Sandbox News, the most recent air to air kills besides the balloon. The most recent air-to-air kill scored by an American aircraft came in 2017 when a U.S. Navy F-A-18E Super Hornet shot down a Syrian flag SU-22 as it bombed American-backed Syrians in Raqqa in Syria. Uh, They said the interaction wasn't much of a dogfight, but it was the first air-to-air engagement carried out by an American fighter since Operation Allied Force over Kosovo in 1999. But the last time American aircraft truly found themselves in some serious uh, dogfights was in 1991 over Iraq. With hmm. more than with more than three decades now separating today's aviators from America's last dogfights and stealth increasingly becoming the norm, it's no wonder the Defense Department seems to be leaning away from the idea that air-to-air combat in close quarters should be a priority. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't even think there have been that many dogfights in Ukraine and Russia. It's almost like uh, the concept of the battleship, right? Because that's what, I mean, we were were seeing our enemy and just trying to blow the hell out of them, right? (laughs) But that's, but with with, uh, cruise missiles, or I mean, ship launch missiles, uh, you don't need the big big guns anymore to shoot these guys. You don't need to be in visual range. Yeah, yeah. And when they do over the horizon stuff uh, by the pilots, I, I don't know how you ever get close enough to dogfight. So, yeah. But interesting. I thought that was some pretty interesting tech that they're coming up with. All to replace us. All to replace us. <laughs> uh, remember back in January when uh, President Biden said he was going to give some tanks over to Ukraine? Oh, yeah. I think he said he was going to give 31 tanks, right? Abrams, well, right? Abrams. They call them General Dynamics Land Systems tanks. <laughs> Is that so the Abrams, thing? Really? I guess that's the official word for it, I suppose. <laughs> well, <clears throat> they were doing that because the capabilities meant to strengthen Ukraine's defenses against its Russian invaders for an anticipated onslaught this spring, which is right around the corner. Uh, but 
Abrams tanks will likely not reach the country before then. They may not even arrive until next year, the Army Secretary said last Thursday. Secretary of the Army Christine Warmoth said, we're looking at what's the fastest way we can get tanks to the Ukrainians. This is funny how she says this. It's not going to be a matter of weeks. Uh, None of the options that we're exploring are weeks or months. There are longer timelines involved, but I think there are options that are less than two years, oh. <laughs> less than a year and a half, maybe. That's like, holy shit. Yeah. Can you imagine being leopard- on the receiving end? Like, you're like, yes, we're getting some <laughs> yeah. tanks, we're getting some guns, whatever. And then they're like, oh, yeah, in two years. You guys ever get that notice from Amazon? It's like, hey, your shipment's been delayed. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's not gonna come on Friday. It'll probably come on Sunday. And you're like, God damn it. <laughs> oh, get this. I just got an email the other day from a lieutenant on my government email account. Yeah. At the 533rd, the training squadron where I was assigned Jeez. from 05 to 09. Oh my God. Yeah. And this was the second notification the LT said I needed to go down to the mail room and pick up my mail. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh my God. And so instead of sending a snarky email, I gave her a call. Oh, uh, why didn't you send the snarky email, man? Yeah, because I was like, hey, LT. She's like, yes, sir. And I was like, I've been out of the military for four years, and I haven't <laughs> been assigned there since 09. So whatever it is, it's either already in effect or it's not important. Yeah. you're more than welcome to open it up and laugh at the ineffectiveness of the mail system (laughs) or you can just shred it i hope you complimented her on her doggedness to try to resolve this problem like hey i really appreciate you messaging me and she goes well you're the only one in the global (laughs) (laughs) so I'm sure if it was any, if there was two of us, nope, would not have reached out. No. <laughs> and that lotto ticket that you won is still sitting in that Vanderburg mailbox. Ooh. Oh, no. She shredded it. Oh, it she goes, I can kind of see what the message is about. And it's about a security leak. <laughs> and I go, oh, yeah, that was probably like the OPM leak back in the day. Yeah. Where they gave, no, well, no, I don't know about gave, but China collected your information. China, China got a hold of everything <laughs> in my background clearance, right. <laughs> and they were right. just and they were dissatisfied with what they found. <laughs> yeah, this guy right. can't give us any help. <laughs> How is he even still in the military? Yeah, <laughs> I got put on the do not waste resources list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, anyway, uh, Ukraine's uh, probably calling and said, "Hey, about that tank order. When's it coming?" It's and good they're like, "Leopards and the Challengers are arriving a lot sooner than that." Uh, it's and John's like, "Don't answer the phone. Don't answer the phone." <laughs> it's the it's fucking Zelensky again, man. Just <laughs> tell him we're not here. Dave's uh, man. Dave's not here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good Cheech and Chong reference. Right. 
Uh, the Secretary of the Army said there are a variety of different ways to produce the tanks, she said, from either building them from scratch, like the U.S. is doing for Poland, or draw them from the U.S. inventory, many of which are refurbished older tanks. Well, what's wrong with that, right? Not a thing. And we're like, hey, we'll give you this used one. Doesn't that make more sense anyway? I yeah. I mean, they should be happy. They're like, yeah, fine. We'll take your we'll take your thirty year old used tank. That's fine with us. Your percentages, your win percentages, might go into effect. <laughs> they might that percentage might go down. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, but that won't be us. That won't be us. Uh, she also noted, which is a good point. She also noted that it's not just delivering the tanks, but also support equipment like recovery vehicles, ammo, and a training package. So there's a lot of details still that need to be worked out. That it almost sounds like the president announced it and then turned around and goes, Hey, we can give them 31 tanks, right? And she's like, What? <laughs> <laughs> we can do that, right? <laughs> I guess. Hold on. <laughs> That's where the question. Well, we we do have fighting Bradleys, right? We can we can give them Bradleys in the interim. Can't we? I think we were sending them some Bradleys because the Bradleys are supposed to be on the way out. Yeah, I thought there was like fifty of those. Um, but you know, it's it's all this. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they used this to you know make some new contracts somewhere else. And like, well, we got to oh, give all our tanks away. It's like you're giving 30 tanks away. Yeah, that's all of them. <laughs> yeah, guaranteed. We need to build some more. So, yeah. Suffice it to say, it probably won't get there by spring. Well, even if you do use Amazon, it's not going to get there by spring. So, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, too bad. Sorry, buddy. Um, the way they're using the javelins, that one dude, did you see a story about the Ukrainian guy that shot like five using the, the javelins? Was that real? Oh, yeah. I, well, <laughs> okay. Good question. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to believe that's coming out. Yeah, of reference the ghost of Kiev. Good, good point. That's the pilot. That was that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But this guy supposedly took out five Russian tanks with javelins, and they were starting to call him some miracle soldier with, with the javelin. He nice. is tidy whities the whole time. <laughs> to assert dominance. I mean, javelin's 45 pounds worth of kick ass, man. Yeah, javelin's a good, that, that's a good uh, weapon. But I had heard something about as much as we're giving over to Ukraine that we're depleting our own stockpiles of just weapons and ammo. I believe that too. Ah, it's like, well, okay. So as much as we gave away right now, just recently, do you think that maybe all the stuff we left in it in Afghanistan and all the stuff we decommissioned after Afghanistan that might have had an effect on it too? Oh, oh. absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Yep. I did see a, a brief article about the the stuff in Afghanistan that there's Taliban who's learning to like fly the helicopters now or yeah. or learn to operate some of the vehicles we left over there. And I was like figures. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. took the you took the all the keys, right? Before you left? Yeah, I got all the keys. How are they starting them up? I can't figure it out. Push button, Gene. We Push thought button. that would stop them. <laughs> 
Oh, you lock the doors. Yeah, but there's zippers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's let's uh, take a swipe at the army here. Now, this uh, Major Nolan Johnson. Okay, this is from the Army Times uh, on Monday. Major Nolan Johnson. He's an active duty civil affairs officer. Uh, he has deployments to Afghanistan, Indonesia, and South Korea. Uh, he previously worked as his brigade's lead project officer for the implementation of health and holistic fitness. Holistic fitness. <laughs> the views and opinions expressed in this article are those of the author and do not reflect the official policy or position of any organization. So this is a this is an editorial he wrote, primarily about the Army's health and AFES. So. Okay, I'm just going to read through this. In 1906, he writes, in 1906, Teddy Roosevelt mandated the Army's first physical fitness test. I didn't know that. That was I thought that was interesting. I didn't know that either. Since then, the Army has revisited its physical readiness programs repeatedly, seeking to find a cure for poor fitness and obesity. Today's health and holistic fitness program is the latest incarnation in this long line of efforts, and unfortunately, it will fail like each effort before it. <laughs> starting off with a bang optimistic yeah, right uh he says it will not fail because the science is wrong or because equipment and training are lacking or because leaders are not earnestly committed to it it will fail because it applies a downstream solution to an upstream problem just as we can't expect to clean up a river by collecting trash at its mouth while a factory continues to dump sludge into it we can't expect to create a fit force while the Army and Air Force Exchange Service, AFES, continues to pollute our soldiers' bodies. It's very poetic. Wow. Very poetic. Oh. Can't give up Anthony's pizza. Well, it gets worse than that. <laughs> he says it is time to align AFES' mission with the Army's mission and put readiness over profits. Wow. I don't know about profits, but... So he's basically, is he just talking about the food court, though? <laughs> Uh no, he's talking about like the shopette, right? Uh, so he says today's active duty force abuses alcohol twenty percent more than the general population, smokes fifty percent more, and has a seventeen percent obesity rate despite access to nutritionist gyms and wellness centers. What about the army lifestyle? Explains how America's healthiest one percent can join the army only to become so unhealthy. What explains the 0 to 17% transformation in obesity from recruit to soldier? Are those facts really true? I don't know. I, that's I, I, that's a lot. That's that really a lot. over the top. Yeah, I agree. The smoking? Yeah, I can believe that. Still and chewing? Yeah. And uh, honestly, easy. we discussed that yes, or last week, right? Lemonade Lucy clearly was right. <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> But it's a, it is a cultural thing. It is absolutely, especially I mean, when you're talking about, uh, and these are all things, right? Uh, uh, alcohol, tobacco. Uh, I don't know about eating, but I suppose that can be thrown in there too. But they're all they're all coping mechanisms. Yeah. Right. For sure. For sure and in a high so stress job like that, uh, you take some of that stuff away. I mean, it's it might cause more people not to enlist. Yeah. 
So the, I think the like freshman 15, it, it kind of also applies to the military and that the oh, brand yeah. new kids. Yeah. Yeah. Brand new recruits like, oh, they, I have my own money and I have full access to fast food. Right. I'll tear it up. Sure. I well, mean, it's either that or the chow hall. Right. Yeah. Well, and every installation has a McDonald's or a Burger King on it now. Yeah, uh, it does, and Anthony's Pizza and uh, what's that sandwich shop that's normally on there too? Um, Robin Hood. Yeah, always by it was always by Anthony's Robin Hood. I remember Robin Hood, but yeah. they got Subways in there now. Uh, but they got Dunkin' Donuts in 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 them now, and that's just a yeah. Buckley. So I, I can't, you know, they got a they got Domino's in there now. So, but <laughs> still. Uh, I just I, I want to get down to where here's one paragraph and, and get your guys' response to this. So he says a large part of the answer can be found in your nearest shopette. Last year, AFI stores posted sales exceeding five billion. Five billion. Wow. Largely by enabling our addictions to dip Doritos and drinking. I don't know if that that's a big jump right there, right? I don't know if I buy that either. Come on. I, exactly. On every base, AFI's offers tobacco at state minimum prices, deals on candy bars, and alcohol without tax. That's true. Class six. Can't be beat. Soldiers can either embrace these cheap, unhealthy options or take a 30-minute trip off post to find healthy options that cost a premium. I don't don't buy that because it's not the only thing that AFI sells. It's just garbage. They sell other stuff. Right. And there's not like there's not a McDonald's or a Burger King or something else outside the gate. No, there's there's all you can eat pizza buffets outside right. the gate. Everything. <laughs> uh, so the results are obvious for a force pressed on time and money, two for one monster energy drinks, discounted hot dogs, and chewing tobacco are the regular lunch plan. And I don't know. I I, I don't know why he's saying chewing tobacco. I, I think smoking's mean? worse than chewing tobacco. But yeah, but like people like. The military dips at a, an alarming rate. Absolutely. That's where I started dipping was in the military. Yeah, remember? Well, you remember in the desert where. When they ran out. They turned, yeah. off, they turned but, off the dip supply and people yeah. were freaking out. I was freaking out a little bit. I know man. you were. <laughs> <laughs> it sucked, man. Uh, it almost made me quit until. I think McCaskey got a shipment from home. And I was yeah, like, oh, he got God, like two logs and then <laughs> yeah. you were bootlegging it in. But the the AFIs, so as far as like enabling and stuff like that, go to the, if you've ever been to Nellis, the AFIs there, or the Class 6 there, has a whole cooler, like a walk-up Pepsi machine t- size cooler of energy drinks, and then right next to it is a whole cooler of Pedialyte. Oh, no shit. Really? Yeah. And you know what happened? Like, that's smart. Weapon school is notorious for drinking. Red flag, notorious for drinking. Yeah. Right. The the end of the, every episode or every exercise. Oh, yeah. For sure. Right? Yeah. And you get the Pedialyte, put those electrolytes back in, fight that yeah. hangover, and you're right back in it. You call yeah. the choir practice after every exercise. See? Oh, yeah. Well, he's saying we can hold AFIs to a higher standard without competition or shareholders. AFIs doesn't need to prioritize profit. I don't think it prioritizes profit. I think prices prices are much – you don't get that big of a break shopping at the shopette now than you did before. 
Yes. You know, the difference between a shop at price and a 7-Eleven price is almost the same just without the tax. Yeah. I think. I mean, I, I, I've i seen the tobacco go up and up, and I'm like, what happened to like a buck and a half a can? Now it's the same price as 7-Eleven almost. Is everything at the shop at still tax-free, or is that just liquor? I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just liquor. I don't know. That's a good point. It's supposed to be lower prices, but and even when I go to like commissary, I don't see like it being that significantly lower that I'm going to shop at the commissary versus a regular supermarket. I've noticed that over yeah. over the last twenty years too. It's like a fee. Same with not, gas. Yeah, same with gas. Gas is not significantly cheaper. Nope, that's right. So uh, all of this, and he talks about AFI's profits and how they give money away, and uh, you know, AFI's is a not for is is not for profit, uh, but yet they they spend all they donate all this money from AFI's to uh, fit centers and uh, holistic health stuff. I didn't know they were doing that. Well, uh, I know they support a lot of MWR activities as well. Uh, yeah, right, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So here's here's the kicker on this paragraph. And I'm just going to read it and get your response to it. When CVS banned tobacco products from its stores in 2014, its customers did not go elsewhere to buy tobacco. Convenience proved to be a key part of their habit. As a result of the ban... Nearly two out of five smokers who bought cigarettes at CVS quit rather than travel to another store to buy tobacco. An AFIS-wide ban could equate to nearly 160,000 soldiers quitting and the Army saving nearly $2 billion in lifetime medical costs alone. Even a more modest 5% increase and tighter clean air policies could result in 80,000 soldiers quitting. I don't buy it one bit. I don't buy it. I didn't buy it either. <laughs> Not one bit. And I mean, you know what you know what that is? That's the that's the California concept. Right? Oh. We'll just raise the price of everything sky high and people will, will just quit instead. No. They'll find it another place. Yeah, they'll bootleg it. Absolutely. That's like saying the bad guys won't find guns if we ban them. Oh, good example, Eric. Yes, that is good. So, so just a question then, because I'm thinking about it, like, and it might have been a change in culture, but when I first came in, I'm thinking about how many people were at the smoke pit or right outside the door because they didn't have smoke pits at that point in time. Yeah, right, right. Versus later on at the end of my career, how many smokers I actually knew. <laughs> Good point. That's fair. I mean, it, it, there is some merit to it. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I remember when I was in the Army and our, our sergeant first class sleeping in the Humvee would wake up with his coughing fit until he lit his first cigarette. Oh. And then he was like smoothed out. But he had this hacky cough and you're like, oh, uh, platoon sergeant's up. <laughs> just like like is he dying again is like no that's what he does that's until right. he took that that first cigarette so yeah those days are over right yeah and there are much less smokers but 
What about vaping? Uh, oh, yeah, that's a whole. Yeah, I would be. I would assume that he's talking about everything, but I don't know if you can buy vape products at the BX. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't. I don't either. know just because I don't mess around with it. But hmm. that was one habit I never got into. Yeah, tobacco. Yeah. So I guess the question ultimately: Does an increase in cost result in a reduction? Of addiction to something. It didn't for me. I don't think it would either. It just kept going up and up. So I was like, fuck, I got to quit. But I can't. <laughs> but wait, but Marty, though, you just said, though, it wasn't cost that made you quit. It was availability. Yeah, that's true. Which is right, right in line with what he's talking about. Yeah, exactly. Removing it, right? Removing yeah. it. Removing the ease of access, making it difficult for them to find, or I mean, at least for them to put some effort into getting. That sure. makes more sense. I can see that. I started because there were three guys that I liked, and we're in the middle of the night, and I was like, I got to stay up, man. Let me try that. And from there, yeah. it just, and then there was a group of us, you know, who would always bump from each other, and it was kind of almost fraternal at that point. And I think yeah. smoking is kind of the same way, right? You knew who the smokers were. They knew each other. Uh, you spend a lot of time smoking with each other. Yeah. But if that never gets started because there's no access to it, I don't know. It just seems uh, uh, I agree with that in principle, but that energy is going to find a way into something. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, we got them off. We got them off cigarettes. Uh, good. They're not smoking anymore. Oh, they're vaping their guts out. Yeah. Right. I mean, I look at across all these young airmen or young soldiers, and they're all vaping. They're not smoking. They're not dipping, but they all share vapes. You know, they all gave hey, give me some juice or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> right. And they're all. I mean, there's there's more vapors than I ever saw smokers. Kids these days and their vapey juice. And it's all like it's all uh it's all sweet, you know, birthday cake. It's uh oh, yeah, it's, it's all, maple syrup and yeah, blue banana, banana. You know, it's all yeah. little yeah. infantile kind of flavors, yummy flavors. Um uh, yeah, you know what's uh, funny though, back in the day, and, and it may not have applied to you guys when you came in, but when I came in. The whole term of smoke them if you got them. The guys that smoke cigarettes got to go fucking sit on a bench somewhere. Yeah, it was never got a break. We had to keep doing what the hell we were doing. <laughs> that, that was the one thing I was going to say. I was always envious of the smokers because yeah. they were hanging around outside, joking around. Yeah, we were still working. Yeah, we were still working. That that we're, yeah. we're looking on enviously. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people would. Just, Put a cigarette in their mouth just to freaking go out. They didn't even smoke yeah. it. Just put it in their yeah. mouth. Yeah, sure, sure. I I understand what he's saying, but I also think you're trying to appeal to, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds, and they're trying yeah. to deal with stress and they're getting yelled at and they got to stay up late hours. Uh, if you take that stuff away, I think they're just going to turn to something else. You know, it's a, it would be nice to go, Hey, I have no addictions because I wasn't ever yeah. uh, available to them. You know what? Instead of smoking, I'm going to go for a jog. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> no. Little... <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make me a green kale salad. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds much better. I think I what they they'll be doing is like, well, we can't smoke. I got a lot of energy. Let's fight. <laughs> Let's just fight. You know. Oh, that's a little motivation. Yeah. You can see that actually happening too. And it's like, see, that energy's got to go somewhere. And where <laughs> it's going to go, I don't know. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just don't think vaping is as satisfying. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Um, but if they're still saying, hey, the, the force is not fit. I don't think it's what did he say? Dip Doritos and <laughs> and alcohol that's making them fat. Yeah, and and it might be a systemic problem. Like it's more of a societal issue than. Yeah, that's true. issue. That's true. And and who's to say that the chow hall food is all that great? I mean, I was yeah. eating chow hall food in Qatar. I didn't lose a pound, man. I had to stop eating that. <laughs> Well, they were, so, they were they were designed to put calories on you. It was almost yeah. like MREs, right? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. All that food is so dense yep. and starchy, right? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, God. And there's, there's some a, people Some people gain weight after deployment. Oh, yeah. I've seen a lot of people, just ease of access. and Yeah. I've seen people gain a lot of weight. You either lose weight or you gain weight on a deployment. Nobody comes back the same. You know? <laughs> That's, That's true. Yeah, you're either jacked because you're doing 45 minutes a night on a stair stepper. <laughs> eating four chicken breasts. That's it. Right. Or you got your, your, your Admiral Nelson and freaking beet <laughs> juice with your cheesy bugles. Oh, uh, <laughs> That's two shows in a row you brought up cheesy bugles. What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was a callback. It was a callback. Uh so anyway, that was his opinion on it. And uh I don't know. I think we've tried I, I although it may prevent some people from even starting a habit, or it may it may work for some to quit, but yeah, banning a substance to kind of force behavior. I think we tried that in Prohibition, right? That didn't seem to work too well. You're, you're hard pressed, man. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna want if you want to stay in shape, there's gonna be that's more than just your food choices. Yep. That's speaking, also speaking of that prohibition <laughs> with like I don't know how many states, 40 something states have medical weed and yeah. I think almost over half have recreational weed now. I think so. Might when, be more than half, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that's a losing tide. You know, you're losing ground on that. But they're not when smoking they, cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, when do you think the military is going to be, okay, you can smoke them on your duty hour, off-duty hours? I don't know. Uh, I go to the VA and still have to wear a mask. They haven't let that shit go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I th everybody in Colorado, everywhere else is cutting it off, though, right? I, What's that? that? Cut, cutting what off? The mask at the hospitals. Uh, yeah, think, not the VA. Is the VA still mandating that? Yeah. 
the I, VA still mandates it in, in, well, I don't know, as of last November, the hospital still man, mandated it, kind of. Oh, did they really? It's coming to an end, though, right now in Colorado. I saw that on the news. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, it's coming to an end. Okay. But it's still, federal government is clinging to that, even though that all these reports are coming out that it doesn't even do anything. Yeah. What do you think that'll do? Like, let's say next year they say, all right, everybody can smoke them. Uh, what, what do you think that'll do to background clearances? I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, that's, uh, and I, that's what my job is. The discussion. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, if you right now, if someone comes to someone a job and they've smoked marijuana within one year, wow, we can't do it. Wow. If you tell us that you haven't done it for a year, we can put you in and it'll be, you know, validated through the investigation process. But if you go into a harder substance, cocaine or any of those, that's a two year. You're supposed to say, sure. Yeah, sure. A few years. Hey, so here's the thing all you're relying on at that point in time is what they're saying. Absolutely. That is, right? I don't think you could test. For any of that over multiple years, can you? No. Now, my company does an initial drug test. Yeah. 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 But Mine too. I don't know if anybody does a, you know, like a random. This this was the first company since I've gotten out that actually did an initial drug test. Yeah. Really? Was it. The other two didn't at all. No kidding. Yeah. And I, here's, here's a fun fact. I, you can fail a drug test from being too hydrated. <laughs> and, really? and I had, I've had kidney stones in the past and I felt one coming on. Yeah. So I was doing nothing but chugging water Yeah, yeah. for, for like two weeks straight, like nonstop. And they were, and then they said, okay, you got to go do a drug test. I was like, oh, okay. And I go and I scan in and it said, you have a 50 minute wait. And this is my first time doing it in the civilian world. I'm used to going, signing a piece of paper and having some dude look at your weenie (laughs) while you pee in a cup, right? (laughs) That's That's normal to me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Good point. So I go in and I scan and it's like a 50 minute wait. And I, I went in ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> so, okay, I was like 50 minutes. So I went and I peed and then I went to the car and I and like chugged a whole Nalgene bottle. Oh shit. Because <laughs> I'm like, I gotta go again in 50 minutes. Yeah, yeah, might as well. Man, that, that whole situation was way different. Like the lady took me back and did the blue dye in the toilet, turned off all the water. Oh, the she did, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave her that pee and it was clear as heck. That's there no good, man. That's no good. There wasn't a tint of anything. <laughs> and like nothing. fail. Fail. Yeah, that was failed. And then they're like, go do it again. And I was like, <laughs> man, I'm still having kidney pains. I'm still drinking a ton of water. So the next time I went in there, it was I got up, I drank nothing but coffee and ate my morning vitamins. Nice. And gave it to him. I was like, here's some neon 
you got nothing but vitamin b right in that thing yeah so they were probably like this guy is definitely hiding something oh it's all potassium yeah it's almost orange you guys know what index is right You've been on and yeah. you know exercise or the like index. That's I when thought. Mike Green comes on and sings the song. When who? <laughs> what's the guy's name? The country singer Green. Um, what's his? Is he Greenfield? No. Green jeans. So, uh, Lee, Lee West. Lee 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 Greenwood. Oh, Lee Greenwood. Oh. Lee Greenwood in his songs, I'm Proud to Be American. Yeah. Every exercise in Korea ended. That's what that song. <laughs> when Index was called, he would sing that song over the loudspeaker, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're kidding. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's when we knew it was over. Well, that probably took my whole joke away, actually. Oh, my that, God. Was a, that was a much better story than I had planned. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Now, now I'm embarrassed to say what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, my bad. My bad. I was going to say this is the end of the episode, so this is end up. <laughs> but you, but you, you snaked me with that Lee Greenwood story. That's a, that was a military dad joke. Oh, yep, it was, yeah. and it was even worse. Now yeah, I got to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> On behalf of all of us here, I'd like to thank you for listening today. Please like, share, subscribe, and let us know how we did in the comments. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service headline news. Gentlemen, thanks for the week. I'll see you next week. Good night, guys. Have a good one. Good night, guys. And as always, Eric, move up. That chafing will not go away on its own. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next week. I've missed it, so. <laughs> Lube up. <laughs>